Welcome to the Propreneur Podcast, where we help practice owners become better entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Dino Watt. And welcome once again, everybody, to the Propreneur Podcast. Excited to have you here for another episode. And this is actually an episode that's reaching back into my past from a long time ago. I'm excited to share that story. And also wanted to just give a shout out to all of you who have shared and subscribed to the podcast, shared it with your friends and colleagues, knowing that this is the best place to find the best practices for you and your business. And today, again, we have brought to you another great guest who is somebody who I've admired for many, many, many years, way before I got involved in the orthodontic and dental space whatsoever. Dennis Cummings is here to share with us how to be a non-professional speaker and how to thrive in your business if you are someone who's thinking about getting on stage and sharing your message with people. So Dennis, thank you for being here. Thanks for having me, Dino. I appreciate it. It's uh, been a while. Dennis and I actually uh, knew each other years ago. I'll tell that story, but I don't get on LinkedIn very much. I'm not somebody who uses LinkedIn all that often. I have my profiles and stuff like that. And about a week ago, I was just, uh, somebody had said, hey, check out some LinkedIn stuff. And I went and looked at it and I saw it, some messages. And, you know, usually you have a ton of messages of spam, right? Of people like, hey, 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 check out my thing or whatever. And I see Dennis and I'm like, oh, I wonder if this is another spam thing. It's weird. I, I mean, it makes sense. I'm in Dennis's world. You know, we've known each other. And then I look, I'm like, oh, it's an actual message, like uh, about your book and about podcast. I'm like, sweet. So I'm so glad we reconnected. Um, I am too. And, you know, we, we, we spoke about this last week a little bit too, because I'm very rarely on either. And oh, the fact funny. that we both were on at the same time and saw, you know, I sent, you saw an actual message that wasn't three weeks later was really right. pretty neat. Yeah. It's kismet is what it is. And, you know, I'm always looking for really amazing people to uh, be on the podcast to share information. You're someone who's had the luxury of actually owning a practice before in the chiropractic space. And what's cool about in this uh, show, we've had guests from, you know, veterinarians to chiropractics, obviously dentists and orthodontists and all over the board. And mm -hmm. I love getting people's perspective, but you've had quite an interesting journey because you had your own practice for a while, right? Right. So I ran two practices in New York wow. for over 23 years. Wow. Uh, so it, it was a while that I ran the practices and, uh, you know, I had the associates running them towards the end of it. And then we kind of became, came to meet because I, I discovered a real love and a joy for teaching and training and speaking from the stage and sort of in my path of personal development and personal growth, like many of your listeners have studied with you or studied with sure. other people. I did the same and kind of fell in love with the idea of sharing what enabled me to grow with other people, kind of like the way that you're doing. Yeah. And I, I eventually transitioned out of chiropractic and became full on teaching professionals how to talk about what it is they do in a way that drives more patients, that helps them grow their business. And it's, it's just been so much fun over the years. Yeah, it is. It is a fun industry to get into and to share that message. You feel like you're making, you know, obviously make an impact with your patients when they come in and they, you know, get adjusted or you clean their teeth or whatever. But when you're on stage and you're able to really hopefully shift the mindsets of hundreds, if not thousands of people at a time, it's a pretty cool thing to do. Yeah. And, you know, I always felt like, you know, there was when you, you know, when I helped a patient with chiropractic, you give them an adjustment, you help that patient. And that's, that's a really great thing. And, you know, for the dentist and orthodontist listening, you know, you take care of one person's teeth and their mouth. And that's a great thing too. But when you can share what you do and help another person help a hundred more people, like the, the, exponentiality of that yeah. is just mind boggling. And it really gives you, uh, I, I truly believe a sense of purpose, right? A sense of like creating a, a, a higher good and, and, you know, doing something that's good for the world and good for you at the same time. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. I wanted to touch on um, just real quick. So the story of how Dennis and I met and gosh, I don't even know. I want to say it was 2000 and would have been 10 or nine? Nine or 10, probably, probably Somewhere 10, around I there. think. Yeah. So I had had this crazy idea that I wanted to put on an event. If For those of you out there who haven't read the book, uh, Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by Tara Becker, I had seen Harv at an event speaking. I wanted to do what he does. I had 
learned, I had called up literally his company and said, how do I learn how to train on stage or teach on stage like he had, had like he does? Um, they put me into the train the trainer program. I went a really weird route inside the peak potentials world of TR Becker. But I had this idea when I got back home one time and I said, you know, Utah happens to be the Mecca of like multi-level marketing, like so many different multi-level marketing groups are here. And I said, I, I bet there, why hasn't anybody ever brought Harv here to speak? So I called up the company and they said, well, if you can get 500 people in a room, then we will send a trainer out. And I went, okay. So I spent like the next month or six weeks putting together this room and uh, you showed up to be the trainer. And I remember you like kind of opened the doors and you saw the stage and you saw the seats there and you went, how many people do you have coming to this? And I said, well, 500, like a little over 500. And you went, really? You got 500 people in the room? And I went, well, that's what they told me I had to do. And you said, well, yeah, that's what they tell everybody they have to do. But it's usually like 75 people or 100 people <laughs> in the room. And I was like, oh, I didn't, I didn't know that failure was an option here. I thought that's what I had to do. So it's funny because I use that story quite a bit around lots of little pieces in my life where I just didn't know that failure was an option, that somebody tells me to do something, okay, I got to go do that. Mm -hmm. And that was our first interaction. I remember sitting with you afterwards and talking about, you know, the, the journey that you were on that you just explained here. And now that's grown even more. Now that I just told our backstory, I'd love to hear a little bit about your story of growth from there, getting on stages and doing that. And then where you've evolved this into over the last few years. Right. So, you know, as a chiropractor and probably a lot of people listening, um, nobody's really born a great speaker, right? And, and, you know, I don't know what you remember of me on the stage, but I was kind of just starting. It was amazing. Up. Okay, great. <laughs> but, but I was just starting and, you know, I felt like it wasn't as natural as it's become over the years. It, it With time and, you know, repetition, everything gets better. But, sure. um, but over the years, you know, I've, I've, I haven't really trained for Peak Potentials or any of their subsidiaries in a while now. And I've, I've kind of moved into my own sort of uh, path of training where I really focus on professionals, nice. attorneys, doctors, dentists, chiropractors, teaching them how to build their practices. Because I realized, you know, somebody shared with me a long time ago, and, I, and this, is, this is really one of my favorite things um, is that, you know, everyone has a gift to share. Mm -hmm. And when you don't share it, you cause suffering, you know? So I realized like I have a really, whether it's a knack or a just an affinity, like I just love helping people talk about or, or language what it is they do. Because very often, especially with doctors, with attorneys, with dentists and chiros, um, they're really smart. You, you're, you can't get through school without being a, a really, you have to have a level of dedication and a level of intelligence that that's, most people don't really have, or you're not going to yeah. get there. Yep. But while they're really smart at that, they're, you know, they haven't been good at the business, which I know you are helping people with, which is phenomenal. And the other part is they're really not good at the communication side of it. Right. which is, you know, this is where how you talk about how what you do can help them and, and getting them to make that decision like, wow, I want to do business with you. I, I want to come into your office, not, not any of the hundred other dentists that are there. Yeah. Um, or, or the hundred other chiropractors that are in your town or doctors or whatever that is. Um, and I just really love that. And as I started to, you know, I kind of worked with business owners in general, mm -hmm. but it, in every group that I had, there are always a couple of doctors and a couple of attorneys. And after they took the program, I would start getting these testimonials of, you know, I, the next week I made $20,000. Then th I did two talks and made $100,000, you know, yeah. and, and the results that they were getting was just like, all right, this is where I really, you know, because I, I want to see that that return on investment for the students, right? I, sure, I want right. them to get the biggest bang for their buck too. Yep. So now, you know, I, I really transitioned from away from just generally teaching people how to speak to really focusing on that professional market, or I work exclusively with people who have platforms. So people who are professional speakers, but they just want to get a little bit better at, at kind of converting or increasing their sales. Like I'll do private coaching with them as well. But primarily, I just focus on like kind of joint coaching for docs. Well, 
And a lot of that is what you, I'm assuming, uh, put forth in your book, Non-Professionally Speaking, right? Right. Yep, absolutely. And here's the funny thing. You know, we talked about this the other day, but the book's titled Non-Professionally Speaking, because right. I would always say, like, I, I would talk to doctors or attorneys and I'd go, all right, I'm going to teach you how to do a talk. Like, I don't want to do a talk. I don't, I don't do want to be a speaker, uh-huh. you know, and I get it. But that really wasn't what I was teaching them. I was really teaching them how to, and, and the words I say, how to message their value. How do you communicate the value in a way that your potential clients can understand it and be driven to take action with you? And that's really, so really what I teach is the, the communication of sales or the language of sales. Mm-hmm. So, you know, but, it, but it's done through the, the tactic of speaking. It's using it as a tool to create the sales, to create the results that you want. So I, I kind of, you know, after all these years, well, I don't want to be a speaker. I don't want, I know, I don't want you to really be one either. I just want you to be able to have a normal conversation, but not talk above their head and not talk below it. Talk at the level that they need to hear what you have to say. Because if you speak to them in the way that they need to hear it, and there's, there's certain strategies to be able to do that. There's a certain awareness that has to come. If you understand the skills and the principles, it becomes a lot easier. But once you do that, your ability to convert potential clients and patients into paying clients and patients is so much simpler. Well, I think it's interesting because you use the, the, the phrase of being able to speak and have a conversation to sell. And so many people are afraid of that sales process, right? They don't want to be the salesman. As much as people don't want to be a speaker or you know get in front of an audience, they really don't want to be salesy or a salesman. And mm-hmm. really, what does sales come down to? It's about having a really good conversation and have a conversation where you're speaking with the person, talking to them at their level and talking about their challenges and what they want. And if you can transfer that enthusiasm over to them, then that's a sale. And I think right. that's a really powerful way. Matter of fact, in my challenge, one of the things I talk about is a very underutilized way that people sell is the story, right? Telling your story, telling the story that connects with them in a way that they can see themselves in that story. All of a sudden it's like, oh, well, yeah, I want what you have. So sure, I'm going to buy the thing that you have. It just right. makes so much sense. Yeah. One of the things I talk about is called, I call it invitational sales. You know, mm. most people think of the sales, I'm going to push this on you. I'm going to, you can't make anybody buy anything. No. So, but, but you can actually, if you give them the right information and you let them come to the conclusion for themselves that this is really going to be good for me and it's going to be worth it, then it's not a sale. It's like, they're asking you for the, for the product. You know, yeah. it's it sort of a, like, I call it the art of shameless self-promotion. Okay. You have to be comfortable with letting people know how you're going to help them so that they can decide, so that they can truly make a really good decision about, is that the kind of help that I want? But most of the time we couch our language, uh, you know, docs don't want to, they don't want to boast and they don't want to brag and they don't really talk about how they're going to help. They talk about what they're going to do. Right. You know, but you know this, I, I know yep. nobody cares what you do. Nope. They care about what you do will do for them. Yep. And, and that's, and that's it, part of that story. I totally agree. I, I think one of the things that, one of the things I talk about and I, I get frustrated with every once in a while is um, doctors who aren't willing to diagnose instead of being like, well, maybe sure, possibly. Like if I went to my doctor and I was having heart problems and I was like, Hey doc, I'm having heart problems. And he said, okay, well, you know, if you wanted to, you could possibly take an aspirin maybe, or you could go and I don't, that's not what I went to you for. I went to you to diagnose me. And I think when people aren't willing to say, no, this is what I can do for you. This is what the end result will be. You said you want this. I can make that happen. It's, it's really um, unfortunate that people don't feel that, that authority even to diagnose. Right. And I think when it comes to what we're talking about today is that communication aspect. Yeah. There is a, there is definitely a timidity among doctors and of, of let's say it's not just doctors and lawyers, yeah. it's everybody about yeah. speaking in public. Oh, yeah. what are they going to think about me? I'm are not good at what me? I do. Yeah. I might say, um, or, uh, too much. What if yes. I lose my place? What if they ask me a question? I don't know the answer to, Oh my right. God. You know, that's right. the big one. And right. I don't want to look stupid in front of right. people. Yep. Um, and 
I think a lot of that is just a lack of skill. It's a lack of understanding. It's a lack of basic structure. You know, like I don't teach, I don't, I never tell my clients what to say. Mm -hmm. I say, this is kind of the, the pieces that are, it's like a Lego kit, right? You have a Lego kit and you can build the Millennium Falcon if you wanted to, but you could build anything else out of it too. It's just a bunch of pieces, but you have to have all the pieces or you can't build the end product. I like to give people the pieces and I show them, all right, this is the order that works really well, but feel free to move a couple pieces around so that it fits your style. Because one of the really, I, I think the most important thing with speaking about or promoting or talking about or selling your services is to do it authentically. Yeah. It has to sound like you. And, and you mentioned about the doctor. You have to sound confident. Yeah. You, know, you have to be confident about the, your ability to help them. And if you're sure, and this is something that, you know, when I get a little hardball with people, mm -hmm. if you know that what you do can help somebody and you don't really put it in front of their face and say, what are you doing by not taking advantage of this? Then you're being selfish. Yeah. And because and you, you know, you could help them, but because you're so worried or too concerned about your own ego and your own reputation that you're unwilling to take a stand and tell them that, well, then shame on you. And, and I truly world, believe that it's like a malpractice in a way in the medical world. Like that's what you look at. You have something that can help somebody and you're withholding it. Right. But, yeah. I yeah. agree. So but, let me ask you this. Oh, God. I was just going to say, if you just get that, that if you can develop that attitude or that feeling where it's my responsibility mm -hmm. to share what I can do. Yeah. That's a game changer for people right there. That mindset change. Absolutely. I totally agree. So let me ask you this. There's a lot of uh, doctors who are on here that either have to give presentations or speeches that maybe they're not officially selling something, but they are trying to invite and enroll people and, if you will, sell people onto their ideas, onto mm -hmm. their concepts, right? It's not a matter of them having to actually pay you for something, but actually buy into the idea of what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Where do you see as, uh, you know, you get to watch a lot of speakers out there who are either just starting out or maybe even some that have had uh, some experience, but maybe a few bad habits. Where do you see some of the biggest challenges when it comes to being really effective on the stage? I think there's probably three primary areas that people have challenges okay. with. Um, well, I'm going to say for oh, the overarching reason over all of these, but now I'll get into the three, is that they try to wing it. Mm. Right. They think, all right, I'm just going to do a talk. I know what I'm talking about and I'm just going to go out there and wing it. And they're not right. prepared. Right. And when they're not prepared, um, anything that doesn't go exactly to plan or anything that wow. goes a little awry. And then what happens is then they do look incompetent. Yeah. Even though they're not, it's just because of the lack of preparation and a lack of understanding. And they didn't understand what pieces they needed to build the Falcon. Right. So right. they went in with a piece short, thinking that, all right, I got this nailed. I can, I'm sure it's going to work out. And it doesn't because they didn't put in at least a modicum of prep time. And mm -hmm. it doesn't, it's not like it's going to take years to do this. You can do it in a matter of weeks, you know, really from, from no thought at all to creating and building a, a complete presentation for people. Just a couple of weeks with some practice and, and you're going to be better than 90% of the people out there. And right. it's going to show yeah. up in sales. So, but here's the three things that you say that, 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 that difficulty shows up with. Yeah. Um, and, and these are my three kind of three teaching moments, I guess, for number okay. one is the opening. So this is number one, you got to open strong. And here's what I mean by that. When you get into, or anybody gets into, especially with doctors, you get into a front of a group of people um, and any speaker, you know, even, even a seasoned speaker, even I get in front of a group, there are times when I may feel a little bit of, and I call it excited energy, but some people get nervous about it. Um, but it's usually, especially for new speakers, and you've probably experienced this with people you coach too, um, that's when they're the most nervous, mm. right? So that nerve shows up. Um, at the same time that the speaker is nervous, the audience who may not know you at all they have a high, pretty high level of skepticism. So you combine your nervousness with their skepticism and immediately, because people judge in a couple of seconds, they see you, you look uncomfortable and they were skeptical to start with, immediate loss of confidence. 
So if you don't open strong, if you don't look confident from the gun, you, it's really difficult to work your way back into winning the audience over to believing in what it is you have to say. You know, people say that people buy from people they know, like, and trust. There is no better way to build those three concepts than by speaking to them for 30 minutes, 45 minutes, yeah. an hour. It gives them the chance to kind of sniff around a little bit, to see who you are, to, to sure. hear your language, to see what kind of analogies you're using. Like, do you understand me? It gives them that chance to do it. But they decide right up front whether you're worth listening to or not. Yeah. And once they make up their mind and, you know, the research says it's two to seven seconds, people have made a decision about you. You better use those couple seconds wisely. But at the very least, the first three minutes of every presentation, you should own that without yeah, like, nail it. You should be unshakable in that. So, you know, the first key is to open strong, you know, so that means in engaging your audience. I would That's assume that. I would assume that, sorry, that that means that um, going back to even your preparation thing, that if you really know those first three minutes, if you really have those down, that when things do uh, end up being weird, like your mic goes out or, you know, lights happen or whatever. Which does happen. Because you have those three minutes down, that helps you gain that confidence for the rest of the speech. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, now prior to COVID, uh, now most of my training is virtual. So we're doing sure. online modules and Zoom training and things like that. But prior to that, we would do live events. Mm -hmm. And if we did a three-day live event, a, tra a training or a selling from the stage event, um, we would spend out of those three days, we're building an entire presentation from the hello, how are you doing to selling something at the end. Right. Um, we would spend a, more than a day and a quarter on the first three minutes. Wow. And people like Dennis, are we going to get to the rest of it? <laughs> and I'm like, trust the process. There's a, there's right. a reason why we're it doing this. It is the, the absolute most important part of your presentation is those first three minutes. Yeah. If you do that, if you nail it and you get them and you win them over and you build their confidence in those three minutes, it almost, almost doesn't matter what you do the rest of the time. Now it yeah. does. I'll talk about that in a minute. Sure. But, but if you get that, it, it makes your life so much easier and your likelihood of conversion at the end of the day, so much easier. I so agree. that's why it's a huge priority. And there's a whole, there, there's like about maybe five or six actual action items within that opening sequence that you have to have in place. And if you do, if you nail all of them and you know it, like I, I tell people, listen, you don't have to memorize your talk. And I usually rec recommend that you, you do not memorize a talk ever. Yeah. But you should memorize those first three minutes. It, it should be if somebody wakes you up in the middle of the night and goes, you do your opening, you just go, oh, how are you? You know, and you yep. know exactly what you're going to say. It has to be that solid. I like that. That's really, really good. Okay, so that's number one. That's number one. The, the second thing. So I'm going to go to the end and then I'll come back to the middle. The, the next piece is the, the sale. Mm. You know, you mentioned that people don't like to sell. Well, here's the thing, especially with the, the professionals that I work with. So with the doctors, with the attorneys, the chiros, dentists, everybody, you're not really selling anything, right? So, you know, I sell $12,000, $20,000, $25,000 programs. I'm actually selling something worth thousands of thousands of dollars. Right. Usually for the professionals, it's not a tangible sale. What they're doing is saying, join my mailing list, come into my office for a discovery visit, come into my office for a consultation. 90% of the time, that's what my clients are doing. But here's the really interesting thing about that. You've already done a 30 minute presentation. And during that presentation, people have decided they like you or they don't. Yeah. They've decided that you understand my problem or you don't. Right. And they understand that I believe that you can fix my problem or they don't. If they like you and they believe you understand and can fix their problem and they sign up to come into your office for a consultation, they're really not coming in for a consultation. They're coming in to sign up for your office. Yeah, it makes totally. your conversion rates go through the roof. Yep. So that 30 minutes is like you're, you've already sold them before they come in. The, the coming in is just the formality of getting them in there to fill out the paperwork at that point. So right it takes a lot of the pressure off the sale because the sale is 
I'm not asking you for money. I'm not asking you to give me your firstborn. I'm just saying, would you schedule an appointment with me mm-hmm. to see if we can help you further? Yeah. It perfect. takes a lot of that pressure off. If you think about it like that, yeah, for sure. and you know, listen, some people are going to say no. Some people are going to say yes. You know, if you go to the drive through at McDonald's and they say you want fries with that and you say no, the people inside don't start crying because you said no. You so know, true. if you have 50 people in a room and you say, would you like to come in for a visit and 20 of them say no. All right. Well, they said no. Okay. They, for some reason, they weren't ready. That's okay. But 30 people said, yeah, come on in, right? There was a mentor I had once who uh, I use this all the time who said, look, just because somebody says yes to your product or program, it doesn't make the product or program any better. Just like if they say no to your product or program, it doesn't make it any worse. It's just a decision. It's just a decision. And it's based on their stuff that's going on, right? right? You know, so it's not even a reflection about you. But if you do a good job explaining what you do, at least then it's sitting in their mind. And if you leave them with a good impression of you, even if they say no, it's usually not no, it's not yet. Yeah, not for now. Right, because they're gonna remember, oh, I remember that guy, Dr. Dennis came in and he was funny and he knew what he was talking about. I, I liked him, I, you know, if I ever needed yeah. that, that's the kind of guy I'd like to have taken care of me. Yep. You know, yep. And that's the impression that you wanna leave. And you know, this isn't one of the things, but I do wanna mention this. No matter what you ever do, and this is something that I insist upon with my clients, no matter what in your presentation, I insist that you deliver value. So even if somebody says no, when they leave, they left better than they came in because you gave them something, and this is really important, actionable. Yes. I say you must leave them with something that they could do on their own even if they said no to you, yep. don't waste their time. Totally agree. Provide that value, do a service for them. Even if they're never going to work with you ever, leave yep. them off better than you caught them. One, it's good karma, first of all. Yep. And number two, they're going to remember, you know, I didn't use it, but the guy really helped me out. Now, yep. I'm not saying you solve all of their problem, but if you could give them some thing that they can do, some, maybe it's some sort of home care that you give your patients as it is. But yep. you're going to share it with them as a prophylactic. Listen, great. They left a little better than they came in. And that's going to help. It's totally something that I appreciate when I'm either in an audience or even when I'm watching a webinar. And I think about all the time is, you know, if this person was willing to give me value and usually pretty good value, whether it be, you know, a tech gadget or a, a, a software or just an idea of how to phrase something, it it sticks in my brain and it makes me feel like, Oh, cool. Like if this isn't, it actually takes away a lot of guilt in some ways. If Mm -hmm. I don't move forward with something because I'm thinking, well, man, they were nice enough to give that to me. I really appreciate them for that. And I'm still saying no to that. It's not that I'm, Oh man, I, I feel indebted. I should give this to them. And I think about that all the time, whenever I'm creating a new either speech or even ads where I'm like, what could I do to help somebody feel like just reading this made them have an amazing experience and take something away with it that they won't forget me. I think it's so valuable. Yeah. And, and now, by the way, uh, listen, uh, you and I are both talking about it and I know we have the same philosophy. We're talking about doing good for the sake of doing good. That's right. On the psychological side of that in during the sales process, there's the, the, the principle of reciprocity. That's right. The law of reciprocity. Where, yeah. where people say you did good for them and now they kind of feel like they owe you something back. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that owe you may show up as I'm going to come in for a consultation mm-hmm. and give you another chance to further impress me and get me to be one of your clients. That's right. So important. So I'm a huge student of uh, Robert Cialdini and influence and persuasion just because of that. It's so fascinating how we all work as human beings by having that desiring even that law of reciprocity to help you mm-hmm. out in some way. Yeah, nobody really, nobody really likes to be in anybody's debt, right? No. Like I gave you something, I, I got to even that scale. We all want to be even. We yeah. want it to be fair. Yeah. And now I'm not saying that that's why you should do it, but it's just a, it's a, it's just a, a, a simultaneous benefit of doing good for others is that yeah, what goes around it- comes around. I also think it's one of those things where we have to talk about the, 
the positiveness of the law of, uh, you know, the, the psychology of sales that, mm-hmm. you know, it is an honor to be able to sell something to somebody. It's an honor to be able to stand up on somebody's stage and present to them your ideas, your thoughts, being willing to be ridiculed or judged or, you know, judge my baby type situation. You know, I, I don't know if you felt this, but when I put my book out there, my first book, it was like, okay, here's my baby. Now judge it world, right? Like, you know, it, because it's something you pour your heart and your soul into and you really believe in it. And so there is something to be said about just like you would learn the stages of how to connect with people and sell from the stage or even just give a great presentation, you should know that there are things like law of reciprocity, scarcity, urgency that help people avoid the pain of regret. And that's what I look at when I'm on stage is I'm like, how can I help you avoid the pain of regret? And Mm -hmm. What are the tools I need to use that? So I think it's a right. great thing to talk about. Yeah. And it's not, you know, the, you, you mentioned a lot of things about the sales process and sales psychology. And there yeah. are people who will say, you know, that's manipulation. Mm. And, but my, my point of view is the difference between manipulation and motivation is your intent. That's right. hundred percent. If, you, if your intent is, you know, I, I have this kind of, I have this rule, like, you know, you know, thou shalt not sell S-H-I-T. Like you, you don't sell if you, yeah. if it's not of any value, number one, I won't help you sell it. That's right. I've had professional speakers that I truly think were just scam artists mm-hmm. ask me and be willing to pay me tens of thousands of dollars to coach them on getting better at sales. And I won't take them on as clients because I don't believe they have their client's best interests at heart. Right. You know, but if you do, and, and there are, strategies that you can use with good intent to help them make a decision that you know yep. is better for them. And, and very often they don't even know it themselves or they're, they're limited by their fear, whether it's fear of the unknown, whether it's their pocketbook, whether what is my wife or colleague going to say, whatever their objection is, it, it's a fear inside of their head. And you have a whole set of tools to help them break through those fear barriers that they have. If you don't use those tools, well, then again, shame on you, yeah. you know, but do it with the right intent, not to manipulate, not to scam, but to serve and to help people make a decision that you know in your heart is the right decision for them to make. Yeah, I 100% agree. I 100% agree. It's that intention is so important. Okay, so we've got great opening, number one, great sales process and closing, number two. Well, that was number three, but I'll give you number two now. I told oh, you we jumped oh, to the we, end. We did three first into. Okay, cool. I was, I was like, that's an interesting way we to do it. We did one, then we did three. Now we're going to go, and, and here's the middle, right? So, uh, you know, the three things. There's, every speech has a beginning, a middle, and the end, right? right? The, the, the beginning is the most important. It's when you build, you, you establish your credibility. You establish uh, a rapport with the room. Three minutes, it's all it takes. And by the way, when I say a room and we're we're talking, because you you and I, we know each other from live rooms and live events. It is the same exact strategy online. Yep. You know, and I know you teach the same thing. It's the way you hold your body, the way you move, the way you talk, the way you look at a camera or the, you know, people will sense and look at your body language and your imaging. All of that stuff is so critical to what you do. Um, so that beginning is real important. The end is when people get nervous because this is when you, like you said, you're going to judge my baby, right? You're going to judge, you're going to, you're going to determine whether you buy or sign up for an appointment or you buy something that is going to determine my worth. And it's like, you know, you're putting your whole, your whole self right up on that, on that auction block and hoping that it comes in for a big dollar, you know, that big figure, you're taking a little bit of a chance. But here, you know, even if nobody did anything and you helped people, you can go home saying, I did good today. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and allow it to take you, the pressure off you. Now, by the way, you know, when you saw me training that first time, that was an event where we sold and we sold a multi-thousand dollar ticket process. Um, I'll tell you something back then when I started speaking, and I, I've been speaking about maybe 13 years now. Um, I was scared at selling, you know, what if they don't buy? What if they don't like me anymore? Because we all want to be liked. And, and it took me a couple of years to really come to what I I help people get through now a couple of weeks is listen, it's your job to do that because if you don't, you're not serving them. 
And it, yep. it once I once somebody explained that to me, like my entire ability to help and serve and and as a consequence sell. You know, people think sales is a dirty word, and I have this in my book. Sales equals service. Yes, I was literally thinking that as you were saying that a moment ago. (laughs) (laughs) We think about sales and, and, you know, guys like you who help practice, help build practices. And for me, if I'm looking to see, hey, listen, you invested a couple thousand dollars in my program. Is it going to pay you back? We look at sales as as a way to measure a, a, a result. Yeah. But it's just a tool for measuring. It's just like some number system. Yep. Sales equals service because if you're not providing a service, if you're not helping somebody, nobody's going to give you that money. If they don't believe you can help them, they're never going to give you their money. Right. So that your ability to provide the service is that the the money comes secondary to build serving. Right. So if you think about sales as a service opportunity, it's a different, different mindset too. So let's get to that number two, the second thing. And this is a big one for this group in particular, for the docs, right? You're smart. And that is your problem. You're too damn smart. And you think, (laughs) and this is, tell me if you haven't seen this, when they go to talk about what they do, they go all medical lingo on people. They start yep. using they start using Latin and speaking in tongues. And, <laughs> you know, they've got all these giant diagnostic terms and they're talking about all their technology and and it, it's too much. Yep. It's just too much. Yep. So, you know, here's my my lesson and to really make it simple, it's just less is more. Less, less is more. Is more. Um, here's what I recommend. If you're doing a 30, a 45 minute, even a one hour presentation, um, pick three topics that you're going to teach, just three, three things that you're going to teach. And it gives you the opportunity to go into a little depth without overwhelming people mm-hmm. and just keep it simple for them Yeah. so that they, they can remember three things that I can do. Because if you give them 20, they remember None because they get become overwhelmed. And by the way, confused people do not buy. Right. If you confuse them because you're too smart, they won't buy from you because they think, well, you're just going to think I'm stupid because you're, you're so smart. If I try to talk to you with my language, you're going to think that I'm the village idiot and I don't want to feel bad about myself. So I'm not going to go and see you. I need the guy who talks like me to me so that I feel like we're together on that. So sometimes simplifying your language and just speaking like we're regular people because we are. Yeah. It's funny. I, uh, this comes all the way down to in the orthodontic world and the dental world, there's the treatment coordinators. And I will sometimes sit in with them as they're doing their exams and their, their sales process. And you can tell when the treatment coordinator is feeling like they need to sound smarter so they'll start using words that don't make sense to people or that, you know, they just think is just normal language. I've even gotten so, so kind of minute around it with the, uh, the receptionist, which I call the director of first impressions. I'll talk about how, look, even when you say to the person on the other end of the phone, so when you come in, you know, we're going to have about a, a 45 minute appointment and the doctor is going to do a full exam on you or on little Johnny. And it's like, I was like, well, what does full exam mean? Like you think you know what that means to the person on the other end of the phone, but to them, they're like, why am I you know, having to get naked in a gown, right? Am I, is there going to be a prostate exam involved here? Like, what do you mean a full exam? Even though they're only going to an orthodontist, you can't over talk people. And it's very easy to do that when you're feeling insecure or you're feeling like almost in some ways, even braggadocious about it. But I think it's so wise to just remember, keep it simple for everybody involved. Everybody appreciates it, by the way. No one sits there and goes, wow, they use smaller words. They're not really smart. Right. And now that using smaller words is just a part of what I was saying. Yeah. But I'm also talking about the amount of information That's as right. well. Yeah. Just it's the quality and Absolutely. the amount. So yeah. just giving them like, you know, three topics that you're going to cover and like, hey, listen, this is how it shows up. Yep. This is what will happen if, you, if this gets too far. This is what happened to so-and-so using some social story around in it, the yeah. process and a story yeah. about it. Mm-hmm. And then this is what you can do right now to make sure it doesn't happen to you. So right. this is one of the things we do with the people in my office 
So you're kind of talking about, we do a lot of things with the people in my office, but I'm gonna give, I'm just gonna give you one of them right now. So yeah. that when you go home, you can get started for yourself, right? Yeah, um, I had a friend once who explained that we're actually taught, our brains are taught in threes, right? Like we have ABC, CBS, Fox, right? We, are, we typically have learned one, two, three as our learning patterns. So it just makes sense to add to that. So I love that you're incorporating that. Yeah. And again, listen, if you're going to do a longer presentation, obviously you're going to be more than three topics, but right. I, I say, you know, listen, keep it a little bit simpler so that it's easier for them to remember what to do when they leave. Right. Yeah. And, and that's real, real key. And, right. and by the way, I, I just want to, and then, you know, so number one, open strong, right. Getting that confidence. Number two, less is more in the middle. Keep it simple. Focus on three main options. And at the end for that close, when we get to the end there, one of the things that I didn't say before, and I want to add is focus on the benefits, not the features. Yeah, for sure. Benefits over features. So, you know, it's great that you can talk about all your technology and all the 3D imaging and the laser imaging that you're doing right now and all of the, the, the ultrasonic tools and devices that you've got. Wonderful. What does that mean to me? No one cares. How, right? <laughs> and, and that's what they're all thinking because they don't care yeah. what it is you do. They don't care that you have the latest Series X 7000 level of machine. Nobody even knows what that is. Right. They don't know what the nanometer laser you're using does. Yep. And they don't care about that. Yep. The only thing they do care about is how is it going to affect me? And that's the languaging that you have to bring across. You know, we talked about, you have to message your value. You have to language your value, right. but it's the value, not the value of what you do. It's the value of that they're going to receive by getting your care. Yeah, and you right. have to talk yeah. to them on, on what is the benefit. And if you focus on the benefits now, again, we talked about using the scarcity and, and you're going to point out the future and what's going to happen if you don't take care of that. Those are all some of the sure. other things that go along with this sure. process, right? But at the end, when you're saying, this is why you should come into my office, not just because it's free, not just because you're saving $200, it's because if you don't, and this gets worse, well, now you're looking at you know, maybe losing teeth, needing a full bridge replacement, needing a root canal, you know, not being able to eat your favorite food. Right. Really focus on, on an emotional level of what mm -hmm. you do. You know, what would it, what would it be like for you if you were no longer, you know, now I'm from New York, but what if you were no longer to be able to go downtown and get a bagel because you just couldn't chew it anymore? How yeah. about, how about we make sure you can enjoy bagels into your eighties? For the rest of well, your It's real simple. All you got to do is just come in. Let me check it out. We can take care of that now. Yeah. You know, and that's how you get people to sign up. Not because you've got the latest equipment totally because agree. I'm going to be able to eat bagels forever. Well, it's the way that you decommoditize what you do because the thing you do with the technical side of stuff is a commodity. I mean, they can go get it from the guy down the street and right. really between the five different guys in their city, the result's not going to be that much different. It's about how you've made them feel, how they have felt throughout the process, what you feel like you said, the future pacing of what it can do for them. It's so important. And it's stuff that a lot of people don't learn about. And that's why like, I believe that when you learn how to present and you learn how to, so in your book, Non-Professionally Speaking, being able to understand, all right, maybe I don't, I'm never going to be on a stage, but you're always going to be speaking to somebody. You're always going to be presenting to somebody if you're in a profession like this. Right. So I think those skill sets are so powerful to learn no matter what. Now, you, know, you took, you took the train the trainer program that I yep. taught. And, uh, you know, when I took it too, now I was actually fully working in my chiropractic offices when I took it. And the only reason that I took the train, the trainer program, I did not want to be a speaker. I didn't want to be, you know, a uh, international trainer. I didn't want to, you know, do motivational talks to arenas. I, I didn't want to do any of that. All I wanted to do was a healthcare class for the new patients in my clinics. That's why I took it. So, wow. so five people in my reception room and I could do a healthcare class about the importance of continuing your care and getting your chiropractic adjustments so that my patients would get the most out of their care mm -hmm. and stay through the whole duration of their treatment plan. 
Mm. So when I did these classes, they stayed till the end. When I didn't, they dropped out as soon as they felt better before right. they had the rehabilitative care. Um, that's the only reason I took it. But here's what I noticed. And you can let me know if it was the same for you. My communication got better with my staff. Oh, yeah. It got better with my kids and my family. I mean, it got better with my colleagues. Like yep. the communication skills that you master in the, in the, the progression of becoming the, the, a presenter, let's just say, mm -hmm. they translate into everything. Oh yeah, your ability sure. to your ability to have that that report of findings with your clients, yep, and where then you're offering the options and the long term care options, that you use the same principles in all of that. So this is one of those skills that it's not just for doing a webinar, it's not just yep. for your Zoom meeting, it's not just for your live events. It like it truly affects every aspect of what you do and how you communicate. I would even go so far as say even in your parenting and uh, the way that you communicate with your friendships. I remember the very first principle in general that was taught uh, to me was the idea of enrolling everyone, right? That how many of you this, how many of you that, and the situation of finding out where people are and letting them all mm -hmm. feel like I'm going to talk to you, all of you, not 99% of you, not 20% of you, but all of you. To this day, I still use that in my small little trainings with just my teams who've known me mm -hmm. for six months, 12 months, two years. I will still go in and start talking to them and, and, and making sure everyone feels included so that I can speak to everybody. It's such a powerful concept yeah. of just all those little things that affect you and all other areas of your life. And that's a really great point that you just brought up too, because this is another another, I think it's a really critical element that people miss with speaking is there many presenters are so nervous about the fact that they're presenting that they forget that there are other people in the room, so right? True. Yeah. You know, th listen, you're, the only reason you're there is for them. Yeah. But we're, you know, the, 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 the possibility of becoming so nervous that you can't focus beyond yourself you lose the connection with the room. You lose that sense of, hey, listen, I'm including you guys yeah. because, because you forget to. Yep. And that's where, you know, if you understand the, the structure and the elements and you kind of have practiced them a little bit at least, then it gives you the ability to no longer focus on, you know, oh, my God, I'm so nervous. And you get to focus on, hey, uh, I'm here for you. Yep. And I, I want to help you a little bit and let's have a conversation because at the end of the day, speaking in front of people is just a conversation with more than one. Mm. It, it's, yep. you know, you and I have spoken, you've seen me on stage, you've seen me off stage. I kind of sound exactly like even on the phone call, That's it's right. kind of, the, it's, it sounds mind. exactly yep. the same. And, That's you know, and you as well. Thing. So important, right? To be the same on stage as off stage. So true. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's not like, you know, it, it, listen now, there is some theatrics. It's sure, of course. Of it. It's part right. of it. So, but at the at in the underpinning the of it all, of who you it's, are. it's you, and, yeah. and that's what I encourage. You know, my clients to listen. I want you to bring you into whatever talk we design together. I'll yeah. I'll help you position the pieces, but they're your pieces, and you yeah. have to deliver them your way, or it's just going to sound like some fake piece of junk. Yeah, never so going to work. True. So true. Love it. Man, so much information. I can't believe our time has come so fast. Uh, thank you, Dennis, for all the amazing information you gave us. We are now at a place in our show where we always go through the six rapid random fire questions. Are you uh -oh. ready to play? Yeah, why not? All right. Very cool. Well, the first <laughs> question we always ask everybody is, what do they feel is the most expensive thing private practice owners are missing in their practice? They feel the most expensive thing they're missing is lead generation. Oh, very good. Not a lot of people talk about that. Making sure you're bringing in more leads on a consistent basis. That's so yeah. powerful. Yeah. So many people leave it up to like, uh, you know, uh, hopefully they'll see my Facebook. Yeah, ad. I get referrals. I get all this, but you can actually, and this is, that's why I teach what I do. I teach this as a lead generation strategy. So most of the people that hire me, this is one of that's like, for me, that's the one I hear all the time. Yeah. It's like, you know, listen, I need more possible clients, right? Yeah. And now, you know, then, then I help them change those into actual clients and they can become happier. That's awesome. What's, the, what's a book that you believe every private practice owner should read? 
I love The Slight Edge oh. by Jeff Olson. I don't know if I it read It is that a one. great book. It's about making small changes along the way. Um, probably about, I don't know, it's probably like 15, 20 years ago, I made up this word, right, called kaizenetics. And it was like, you know, the Kaizen principle and using it with real life. And I, I called, like, people don't like to change. Mm. Your, your, your patients don't like to change. We don't like to change. You know, if you ask my girlfriend, I don't like to change at all, <laughs> you know. But if you change in little bits at a time, you yeah. just make small changes, you almost, your, your subconscious doesn't notice it and it lets it happen without resistance. Jeff Olson's book is about making those slight changes, but you keep doing that over time. And at the end of the day, you've got a massive change and you've achieved what you've wanted to do without the subconscious resistance that always holds us back. It's a great book. Nice. Love it. We'll make sure we put that in the show notes. That's great. Well, speaking of books, in my book, The Practice Rx, I focus on team culture and team performance as the foundation of business growth. What do you see as the biggest challenge that private practice owners are facing when it comes to their teams and their culture? With teams and culture, I think communication is probably the biggest issue. Um, uh, creating an, an open environment for communication where it's not a, a blame game, but it's more of a, how do we work together to fix this problem? Ownership, yeah. Yeah, it's ownership of, hey, listen, this is, this is what happened. How do we fix it instead of who's responsible? You yeah. know, pointing out who's responsible only makes one person feel bad and nobody feels good in it. But just deciding, hey, listen, this is something that came up. It, this is something that we don't want to have happen in our, in our clinic and in our practice. This is what we're going to put in place so this doesn't happen again. Solves the problem and allows everybody to become part of the solution. And that's a communication strategy. Right. That's so smart. Love it. All right. Uh, the, number four, as always, we want to make sure people can get a hold of you. So what's the best way for people to reach out? Number one, uh, non-professional, non-professionally speaking is on Amazon, I'm assuming? That is on Amazon. Yep. Okay. And then how and is the website? The website is nonprofessionallyspeaking.com. Okay. And if they want to, you know, listen, if you're listening right now, you think, hey, listen, I might want to find out what Dennis does and maybe work with him. If you want to have a conversation with me, I would love to do that with you. More than happy to. Uh, DennisCummins.com forward slash consult. So D-E-N-N-I-S-C-U-M-M-I-N-S.com forward slash consult. And that's a link to my calendar. So show up on there and in the questionnaire, just put, you know, Mention Dino's name somewhere in there and I'll know where you came from and we'll just have a chat. And if it turns out that I can help you in some way, I will do that. If you, we want to work together, I'll do that too, but I'm here for you. I just thought of this as you were saying that, like there's so many people doing more webinars, doing more virtual presentations. Obviously a lot of the, the live events, I know every single ortho event other than one that I know of for this entire year has been canceled and either canceled or canceled and put online. Man, if any of you out there listening are going to be doing a presentation, just to get a new perspective and a new uh, fresh eyes, if you will, on this topic, on your topic of what you're doing and how to actually speak well, man, reach out. Why not? I would, I highly encourage you guys to do that. That's, that's a great idea. Thank you for yeah. and, offering. And Dino, you know, listen, I've seen some of your work, Dino, and you're amazing at what you do. Thank and you. you're right. Everybody has taken what they do online. And most of them are terrible at it. Yes. <laughs> most of them are terrible at it. And what happens is that's the impression they give to people that are watching. Yep. Listen, you're going to get them online once. Yep. You're either going to convince them that you are the doc that I want to work with, or you're yep. going to make them very certain that you're the person they don't want to work with. 100%. And it depends on, on your preparation and understanding of the process. You know, it's, it's not hard but it takes some understanding and it just takes a little bit of effort. That's yeah, very, very true. Totally agree. Okay. What is the best advice that you've ever received in life or in business? The best advice that I've ever received in life or business. And I, I, I think I actually shared this at the beginning of the show, mm. but it's that I have a gift to share. Mm. And if I don't share it, I'm being selfish. And, and I believe, I truly believe that for, for when I taught events, I said this and, and I get, goose, I have goosebumps right now saying mm, it. That's awesome. I truly believe that each and every one of you listening right now, and I know you too, Dino, have a gift to share. 
Now you're sharing yours, but there are people out there because they're afraid to talk about what they do. They're afraid to self-promote. You know, I talk about shameless self-promotion. That means not being ashamed of telling people who you are and how you can help Uh, until you have that sense in you that, Hey, listen, this is what I do. I'm here for you. If you want it, whatever you decide is going to be okay. You cause suffering, you know, because you're holding back because you're not willing to get out there to get in front of people to tell them how you can help. And and that was a, that was a game changer for me. You know, it changed my ability to serve because I, I stopped thinking about me and started thinking about the other person more. It's so true. I um, was taught this years ago that in, in body language, when you are getting ready to get on stage and you're short of breath and you're nervous, that it's because you're thinking about yourself and you would think that, well, no, I'm nervous because I don't want to be judged and all that stuff. But really, <laughs> when you are short of breath and you're not breathing deeply, you're thinking about yourself. But once you start actually really thinking about the service aspect and the, the aspect that I'm here just to share a gift and someone out there is going to be able to hear this and either transform their life or, or do better here or there, then all of a sudden you start breathing more shallow and you calm down. And I totally agree with you that we all have this gift to share. So get out there and share get it. The world, share especially it. right now, needs it more than anything. Yeah, uh, they they need your voice. The last question is, what's the best resource or tool that you believe every private practice owner should be using to grow their practice? Um, I would have to say social media. And I know that's a very broad term. But with everything that's, that's out and around right now, and I'm not talking about paid advertising or things like that. I'm talking about, you know, listen, get your message out there. Mm. Get, you know, put, you know, shoot regular videos, shoot helpful notes and tutorials. Take advantage of all the amazing and free opportunity you have to get in front of people now. Yeah. Um, people that listen for all the stuff that's out there on Facebook and LinkedIn. And I, I don't know if anybody except for, you know, our president is using Twitter these days, but there, there are so many avenues for you to get a message out there. Mm-hmm. Choose one that you find that your clientele, your patients are utilizing and help out, be the voice of helpfulness, be the voice of professionalism, mm-hmm. establish yourself as the expert in your industry and in your area and take advantage of those tools. You know, we live in this amazing age of technology and this omnipresence of media. Like you can have more exposure than any generation before us could ever have dreamed so of. True. And very few people take advantage of it. Yeah, it's very true. It's, it's omnipresent. It is free. There are so many channels out there. I love it. I think that's a great. And great- if you're good at what you do, you'll stand out from all the other noise. Well, you're going to stand out if you contact Dennis and you actually, you know, read the book, non-professionally speaking, you get some advice in that way. I'm going to say that one of the tools that I think also is not being used enough is the power of speaking and getting your voice out there, whether it be, like you said, through videos, live events, online events. It's just a really great process and, and something everybody needs to know. It's a gift to the world to be able to share that. And Thank you, Dennis, for being a gift to all of us and sharing your thoughts and your insights on helping people really create that experience and hopefully overcoming some of their fears and concerns of speaking on on stages. Awesome. Hey, Dino, thank you so much for having me here. And thanks for what you do, too. I I know, you know, I, I really, you know, I've known you for years now and I know what you've done in the past for your relationship programs. And now I know what you're doing with, with the doctor's offices. And, you know, for those of you that, you know, you're listening to this, you're already following him. I mean, he's unbelievable at what he does. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's not too many people in this industry that have as big a heart and, and the knowledge to back it up. And Dino's mm-hmm. got that. He's the full, the real deal. So kudos thank for you. you. And, and thank right. you for continuing to do what you do. Very kind. I appreciate that. I will receive that. And, uh, you know, I, I love what I do. I love, I do. I feel that sense of urgency, that sense of responsibility that you talk about. And I appreciate that as people like you, people through have mentored me throughout my life that have uh, instilled that in me. So I appreciate it. And this platform here on the podcast allows me to have this conversation with people like yourself and also share that with other people. And we're so grateful uh, to all the people who have shared this and subscribed to this podcast. So thank you again for being here, Dennis. We really appreciate it. Thanks, Dino. 
Awesome. Well, everybody, thank you again for being here, for being a, a part of our tribe and our, our little community here that we have with the Propreneur Podcast. It has been something that's been a blessing in my life, especially during this time of, of COVID and, and challenging with the pandemics and things that are going on. Hopefully we've been a, a voice of reason and calmness and stillness and hope to all of you out there. Again, and always remember that our goal here is to help you be more proactive, productive, and profitable in all areas of your life and business. Have a great day, everybody. We'll see you on the next episode. Thanks so much again for listening to the Propreneur Podcast. We really appreciate your support. If you haven't subscribed already, please make sure you do so. Also, if you feel like you might be a good fit for our podcast as a guest or know somebody who you think would be, go ahead and email us at dino at dinowatt.com. Again, thanks for support. We'll see you on the next episode.